Mogul Motivation, educating and empowering entrepreneurs one week at a time. Presented by True Stories Media. And I am your host, Antoine Twiz Taylor. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mogul Motivation. Welcome back. I'm happy that you are here. If this is your first time listening, this podcast is for the aspiring entrepreneur who is trying to get over that hump and make it happen. This podcast is also for anybody with any dream that wants to aspire higher and elevate themselves to success. This week's Monday conversation, I am pleased to have with me Mariah Williams, financial services professional. Mariah, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, so, Mariah... You are the money woman. You know all about money. You know about finance. That's your craft. And that's what we're going to talk about today because it's something that's very important that um, a lot of people lack. Um, not just entrepreneurs, but, you know, families and individuals. You know, they, they lack the knowledge on all of these things. Um, I just want to start out with asking you, how did you get to this point? How, like, tell us about your background. You know, what did you study? How did you end up becoming so passionate about finance and educating others? Yes, absolutely. Um, again, thank you so much for having me on today. Um, a little bit about me. So I, I was born and raised here in Chicago. Um, I come from a, a pretty middle class family and my mother was always a teacher. My father um, worked for the Department of Corrections. Um, and education was always um, stressed in my family. It was always something that was important and we saw it as a key to success. Um, and so for me, I didn't have a choice but to you know, do well in school and go away to college and be successful. Like, yeah. that was the, the standard that my parents held me to. So I've always held education in high mm -hmm. regard. Um, and so I ended up, you know, graduated from the University of Illinois, and I had the intention of becoming a teacher. I wanted to be an English teacher. I, you know, wanted to be an educator. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and so I ended up going into Teach for America. Um, I taught uh, sixth six grade um, social studies in the Bronx for six weeks. And I finally realized that I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want to be in the classroom, at least. Um, and so I came home. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, so I just leaned heavily on my spiritual compass, and I asked God, you know, what do you want me to do? What is it that, you know, you have called for me to do? How can I use my passion for teaching and educating to, you know, serve you? And so then I ended up being with a company um, that served um, individuals on Medicare and older adults. And my patients would always come to me and they would ask me questions about their plans and, you know, how their plans worked. And I became really interested in, in their insurance plans and not only how it worked, but how it worked for them and being able to educate them on, you know, some of the features of their plans. Um, and then came the complaints like, you know, oh, you know, if I would have known about this 20 years ago, then I would have been able to, you know, be a little bit better off now. And that's when it clicked for me that I was supposed to be the educator of people in their, not only their insurance needs, but also their financial needs and helping them to really understand how they can have a better quality of life by not only having that knowledge, but using that knowledge and that resource that they have available to, you know, increase their quality of life. And so from that, you know, my journey, you know, came to be in the financial services profession um, to educate people and to get them to use the knowledge that is out here for them. And that's amazing because, um, like you said, you come from uh, an educational background. You say your mother is a teacher and you had no choice but to go into college and, you know, basically do all the things right. You know, unfortunately, there's so many people in the black community who don't have that background. 
And, you know, people with your background have a tendency to sometimes say, well, um, figure it out, you know. So that's that's beautiful that, you know, you're not selfish with that knowledge. You're basically giving it back. You're being unselfish with it. And it's your passion now. Before we get deep into it, first let me ask you this question. Is it ever too late for somebody to get their finances and their credit together? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's never too late. I think the unfortunate part is when people give up too early and they feel that, you know, oh, I'm too old or, oh, I don't have enough money or, you know, giving all of these excuses. But the reality of it is, is it starts with you. You have to make the decision that you want better for your life. And once you've made that decision, then you seek out those resources. You seek out people that, like me, who can help you to understand where to start. You can always start somewhere, but you have to make that decision. It's up to you. All right. And we're going to assume that everybody listening right now has made that decision. So let's let's start the process um, at step one, breaking the cycle of financial illiteracy and mismanagement. How does one today, what's the first things that they need to do to really get the ball rolling on this? Absolutely. As I said, you know, it definitely takes that first step of acknowledging, right, that this is an issue. I have a discrepancy, whether it's in my financial plan, whether it's in my source of income, um, you know, my family, my credit, whatever that is, you have to acknowledge that thing. And if you don't, then you can't move forward, right? Then we also have to um, have the conversation with either our families or, you know, even with ourselves. Um, and start to seek that professional guidance and that professional help. Like I said, it's one thing to have the knowledge, but it's another thing to actually put that knowledge to use. Um, and so once you've do, done that, then you kind of gather up all of your resources. You figure out, you know, what it is that I have, where do I want to be? Start envisioning yourself in five or ten years. What is retirement going to look like for you? What is your family going to look like? You have to be able to envision that so that you can set the necessary goals that you need to set in order to be able to achieve them. Um, and then once you've done that, you need to really understand the process, understand that it takes time to get to a certain point. It's not going to happen overnight. There's no, you know, get rich quick scheme that you can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to put in the work, but you have to be willing to accept that there's an issue, you know, gather all your information and, and talk through that issue and then be able to, to work with the process and let the process work for you. Okay, so if, if somebody was working, um, like, let us, let's talk about, if someone was working a job right now, you know, they have their 9 to 5, and, you know, they're tired of living uh, paycheck to paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. um, how do you get out of that hole, you know? Because, like, it seems as if a lot of people's money is already spent before they even get it, mm -hmm. you know, before it even hits their bank account. How do they, you know, start to get away from that? Like, what, what do you do? You know, because a lot of people would end up, Robin Peter to pay Paul, they're going to run to um, these payday loan stores, you know, which ironically, you see most of them in black neighborhoods and minority neighborhoods, um, you know, where they're always going to borrow money from this person, that person. How do you get out of this hole? You know what I mean? Because I know family members like that. I've been like that at one point, you know, um, but I'm blessed that I've gotten out of it. How do other people get out of it? Absolutely. Um, I think budgeting is, is the first step. And kind of cutting out unnecessary expenses. Because a lot of times what we find is that it's not necessarily a lack of money, but just a reallocation of, of our money. Mm. Um, you know, what are some things that you can cut out? If you're going to get your nails done every two weeks or every week or whatever, you know, maybe you can cut that out for a month. Yeah. Because that's at least $80. I know for me as a woman, you go and get your nails done, your feet done, your eyebrows and all of that. 
um, little things like that, coffee habits. You yeah. know, you going to Starbucks to Dunkin' Donuts every morning and you spending three, four, five dollars on the coffee um, every week. You know, that's a hundred dollars a week almost. Wow. You know, on just stuff like that. Your cable. You know, cutting out little things that you know um, may not benefit you, and making sacrifices. It's, it's really going to take a lot of sacrifice to figure out, you know, if I need to just save this amount of money for, you know, this period of time, being able to see what it is that you can maybe cut out and make that sacrifice. That's why it's important to goal set. You need to know what it is that it's going to take. Um, with my clients, for example, in retirement, I talk to them about making sure that you know your number. You know, do you know your number? What is that savings goal that you're going to get to? What do you need to make in order to achieve this goal, in order to get out of debt or buy that house or buy that car, whatever it is? It needs to be written down, and you need to figure out where you can cut things in order to make that happen. I'm glad that you said that because that's exactly one of the things that I did um, when I was pulling myself out the hole. You know, I would, I would treat myself as if I was broke the entire time, even though I had money. Mm -hmm. You know, I would act like I would like I was broke, you know, so I'll tell myself if I was broke, would I really be eating out right now? You know what I'm saying? Or if I was broke, would I really be going to get this and X, Y, and Z? You know, I would humble myself and, you know, basically act as if I was still broke, you know, basically living below my means until, you know, basically I was at a better place. I was at a better spot in life. Um, and I think a lot of us don't really have the discipline to do it. That's really uh, the unfortunate thing, you know, because. We're too busy trying to keep up with the Joneses because, you know, this social media era, yeah. you know, it's like you always want to keep up with the next person. The next person went on this trip. I got to go on this trip. The next person got, you know, the new iPhone. I got to get the new iPhone. You know what I'm saying? So we got to avoid those traps. So I'm, I'm glad that you um, brought up budgeting. Um, do you use any type of budgeting apps or like how do you budget your money? So I usually I'm kind of old school. I do, you know, spreadsheets okay. and, you know, figuring out what it is that my bills are every month, mm -hmm. what income that I intend on, you know, getting for that month. Um, and I also use some savings app. I was using Digit. Yeah, I love Digit. I use Digit. Um, because it takes a little bit here and there. You don't really notice it. It's a few cents. Um, and then it, you know, puts it away for you in an account that's, you know, a little bit separate. So um, definitely me, for me, I'm a visual learner, so I just need to see it. If I can see it written down, if I know what my goal is, know what I have to pay for that month, know what's coming in that month, um, and then, you know, paying yourself first. So don't save after you've spent, you know, mm. save before you spend, because mm. then you put yourself, I give myself an allowance. So I say, you know, if I'm only going to get $100 this month, then that's what I'm going to have. And everything else goes to, you know, either savings or, you know, bills or whatever it is. But give yourself an allowance. Give yourself a, a, a true budget and stick to it. And if it's gone, it's gone. And don't try to, you know, deter from that. But get yourself in a system that works for you. Um, like I said, for me, it's, you know, just putting it on paper and, and using that digit app to kind of, you know, save periodically. Um, I would also recommend having your savings detached from your regular checking and savings account. Mm -hmm. Put it somewhere that's not so accessible to you. Um, because we have uh, what we call a goes into, goes out to account. You know, it goes in and it comes out. It yeah. comes right back out because yeah. it's so accessible. Um, like for me, um, with Bank of America, for example, I have it on my phone. I can see my checking. I can see my savings. And I can just transfer, right? So that's difficult when you're trying to save and you're trying to, you know, put that money aside. So I have a different savings account that I have to 
you know, take a different route home. It's not necessarily in my, my direction. It's a bit of a hassle for me to go and, and get it. So I recommend, you know, if you're going to save, put it in a place that's not as accessible to you. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So now we got the saving and the budgeting. Um, so now, now we're getting ourselves back in better track. Let's talk about retirement now because uh, retirement is something that a lot of us don't talk about. Again, whether you're an entrepreneur or, you know, you have a career or a job. Retirement is something we don't talk about. So tell us about retirement. When should we start thinking about it? And how do we start moving towards that for, you know, those who are working and those who are just in business for themselves? Absolutely. This is one of my favorite topics ever. Um, I can go on and on about retirement. <laughs> but um, some key things are start now. Okay. Like today. The, right now. the sooner you start, the better it is. Retirement, I think often people think it's like, um, you know, I'm old now, I'm done working, I'm, you know, old and slumped over. But I think we need to reframe how we look at retirement. Retirement should be a point in time where you work because you want to and not because you have to. And mm, so when you're, when you're doing things that you love or, or whatever, it's like I don't have to work to survive anymore. Now I'm just kind of working because I love volunteering or I work because I'm, you know, I don't have anything else to do, right? Yeah. So starting as soon as you can will allow you to be able to kind of live your life and do all the things you don't get a chance to do because you're working. Especially if you're, you know, working the nine to five, it can be kind of difficult because you're exchanging your time for, for paycheck, um, which is fine. But you want to make sure that you're putting, like I said, paying yourself first. Um, another key point is envisioning what retirement looks like. Like I said, okay. knowing your retirement number. Do you know the exact amount of money that you'll need to retire at the age of say 65 you know ask yourself that question I know my number is 1.65 right I have to I have to come up with one million six hundred and fifty thousand dollars if I want to retire at 65 at my current income right now wow okay, okay. so if you if, if that's the number right if I know that that's my goal then I can start breaking it down and figuring out, okay, I have this amount in my 401k, you know, and I can apply the rule of 72, which is, you know, you divide um, your, the interest rate that you're getting um, from, your, from your money divided by 72, and it'll tell you how long it'll take for your money to double, right? Okay. So applying the rule of 72, so in, in adding and um, subtracting that from the number of years that you have left until retirement. So... Doing those little things like that will help you to stay on track with your goals. Um, it's, a rec it's recommended that you should be saving at least 10% of your income for retirement. Is that yearly? Yearly? Yes. Okay. Per year. And then now where you save it is a different conversation, right? Mm -hmm. um, how you save it and, and all of that can be, you know, discussed with a professional. But you have to start thinking about it now. Mm -hmm. And... They suggest that you even start saving for retirement as early as 18, you wow. know, 18 years old, um, especially for millennials, because, you know, when our parents and our grandparents were working, they had pensions and, you know, Social Security and all of that, all of these, you know, sort of safe type of retirement vehicles. But now for people in, you know, this newer age millennials, I don't know if we'll have Social Security. You know, we yeah. may or may not have Social yeah. Security. It's not looking good. It's not. And a pension, if you get a job with a pension, it's very rare that you're going to get a job with a pension. And they might have a 401k, um, but in order for you to have, you know, some type of steady paycheck in retirement, if you're not saving for something, you're going to work till you die. 
And that's just the reality of it. So you have to save now. You have to start now. That's the reality for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. They work till they die, literally. It's so many people uh, in their 60s, their 70s that's working because they have to. You know, not because they want to volunteer, as you said, or they, you know, they just have nothing else to do at home. Um, and, And it's very unfortunate. And no one should live like that. You know, no one should live like that. I hate seeing that. So how do we, well, what are some ways we save for our retirement? Like we mentioned 401k pensions, but what, what are some other ways that we can do this? So there's a few different ways. And what I normally do with my clients is I, I draw, like I said, I'm a visual person. I draw a little table. You have pre-tax retirement vehicles and you have after-tax retirement vehicles. And on your pre-tax side, that's, you have your, your company's 401k, you might have an IRA, um, you might have some, some stocks or some, you know, um, mutual funds or something like that. Um, your 457 plans, your deferred comp plans, all of those things usually offered to you by your employer, right? So if your employer offers a 401k, take it, right? Take it and only match up to what the company will match. Do not do anything over that. And once you've, you know, maxed that out or, you know, escalated all of those um, options, then you can start moving over into the after-tax side because it's important to not only diversify your retirement, which means having your money in different buckets um, in terms of your risk tolerance, but also your tax treatments as well. So that's one thing that a lot of people often forget is that even though you save all your money in your 401k, tax deferred is not tax free. Uh So you still have to pay taxes on that. And that can put a dent in the amount of money that you think you might have for retirement. Yeah. So you have to make sure that, you know, you're, you're participating in your employer plans, but there are also other plans outside of your employer that are after tax that you should also consider some like a Roth IRA or um, some um, bond funds or things like that, municipal bonds, um, even your savings account, depending on, you know, what kind of savings you're doing um, and also cash value life insurance. Cash value life insurance, um, there are lots of articles on this new way of saving for retirement that's tax-free income in retirement. Um, so some of those are, are some really great ways that you can save on both the pre-tax side and the after-tax side um, for retirement. And you have to, like I said, weigh your options and figure out which one is best for you and have some combination of both. You don't want to just have all your money in your 401k because if you once you retire, you're going to run out of money. If all of your money is in that one vehicle, mm-hmm. for sure. And, and these are uh, some these are some uh, methods that entrepreneurs can use as well for uh, retirement. Well, for entrepreneurs, it's a little bit different because they're mm-hmm. not able to get a four hundred one k. They right. have to, you know, maybe do an IRA. They can do like an individual mm-hmm. retirement account. They can certainly open up their own, you know, Roth IRA. But if you have like a business where you where you're working and you also may have like some employees up under you, there's um, what's called a co plan mm-hmm. for you. So I mean, there's different there are different um, names and basically just different tax codes for entrepreneurs. But they're the, it's the same concept in terms of pre tax and after tax. They're just different names for the types of accounts that they offer entrepreneurs, but it's the same concept. You want to start now, you want to put away money on the pre-tax side and the after-tax side, um, no matter, you know, what your profession is. Got you. So we we talked about savings, then we talked about retirement. I just want to uh, pause for a little minute. Educate us on life insurance, because I see this is a big issue um, in the black community as well. Mm -hmm. GoFundMe is not a proper life insurance (laughs) 
fun. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, absolutely. I see that a lot. Educate us a little bit on this real quick because I feel that needs to be talked about. Yes. Um, life insurance is a necessity. It's not an option. It's not a added expense. It's something that is integral in not only just your life, but for your family mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I want to take a, a step back, if you'll allow me, because yeah. I want to talk about just kind of this mindset about life insurance okay. for African Americans specifically. We always have seen life insurance as, you know, just death. You know, somebody dying, we got to put them in the ground, right? Um, and we don't see it as our counterparts see it as a way to leave a legacy. Okay. And to build generational wealth. Because when we came to this country, we were the commodity. They put life insurance on us because we were the, you know, the property. We were the asset. And now that, you know, we've progressed and and got to a different point, we kind of missed out on a lot of that education in terms of how this has been used to set families up for the rest of their lives. Um, the Rockefellers and the Kennedys and, you know, the Carnegies, all of these names ring bells and you may not have ever even seen a Carnegie or a Rockefeller, but you know that these family names are prominent because they left life insurance policies for their families to continue that legacy. And so I want us to take a, a mental shift from just thinking about life insurance as a way for us to bury our family members Um, And look at it as more of a tool to set your family up for a greater future and have Mm -hmm. a legacy. Um, Insurance is a love letter. It's it's really just an opportunity for you to tell your family that I love you and I want you to succeed. I want you to be greater than, you know, what we currently are. Um, And so you have to be able to, to open your mind up to that, at least that. And really realize that this isn't just something that you're leaving. I don't, you know, some people tell me, I don't want to leave anything. I don't want nobody to get rich off of me. And, you know, I ain't leaving, you know, nothing. And it hurts me because it's Selfish. like, yeah, it's, it's like you're sitting here, your wife is sitting right next to you. And wow. you're sitting here telling me that you don't want to leave her anything. Wow. I mean, the people have gotten into marital disputes because it's like you're sitting next to me and you're telling me you don't want to sign this paperwork for us to do what we need to do, and, you know, it, it causes that rip. So I want us to really take a different um, shift in terms of how we think about it because it's not just for burial. It's for setting up a legacy, creating what I call trust fund babies, right? Okay. I want there to be more trust fund babies in the black community. We deserve that. Um, different cultures, um, they do this all the time. Like, this is how they succeed when we think about Asian cultures and Indian cultures and Jewish cultures and even our Caucasian brothers and sisters, like, this is what they do. And we've been been slow to the beat. And we complain about them being in our neighborhoods, mm-hmm. taking over our neighborhoods with their businesses and being more successful than we are. Um, the wealth gap in America is not because they're smarter than us. It's not because they have more education. It's not because they even have more money. It's because they put things in place to build a legacy okay it's one thing to have money while you're living but you die broke and your family dies broke with you so what is your legacy what will you be leaving behind and that's what life insurance is it's not just you know me putting you in the ground i'm gonna just cremate them absolutely wow so um 
that's that's powerful. So when you just said when you die broke in a black community, so many broke people die. Mm-hmm. So what happens to a family after five broke people have died within that family? You know, now you're way below the poverty level. So life insurance, you can use that for more things than putting them in the ground Absolutely. and cremating them. And, 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 and that's something that a lot of us didn't know. I mean, I knew some of those things, but you just educated me right now at this moment on a lot. Um, wow, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm speechless because, you know, I never really looked at it from that angle. And I'm sure a lot of people haven't either. Um, because that, that can benefit us in so many ways in the black community as far as, you know, like you said, not only just creating a legacy for the family, but that family can then on go on and, you know, build a business and, you know, employ more people Absolutely. in that same community. Yeah. It's, it's a domino effect. I was just a part of um, a $50 billion, excuse me, empowerment plan uh-huh. um, that was sponsored by the African-American Market at New York Life. And they were on a campaign to put $50 billion of cash value life insurance back into African-American communities. And we just finished up this um, this year. We did reach our $50 billion mark, and we celebrated in Washington, D.C., but we're still going. Yeah. And so we've circulated $50 billion of real wealth that can be used in African-American communities across the country. And that speaks volumes because... You know, being a part of that was was amazing because I know that I placed at least you know five million dollars into 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 some of my clients that I've you know done business with, and that's so important because it's not just about right now. You know, some people are like oh, life insurance is not tangible; they can't touch it, they can't go and you know go buy a car with it. I mean, you know, whatever. But they don't think about it like that because it's not instant gratification. Yeah. We live in this like microwave society where Absolutely. we want everything right now. Right now, and we need to and, see it right now. Exactly, but you but you just had a baby, right? And your baby is 15 days old, and you know you love this little baby so much, but you didn't think enough of him to set something up for him for the future because of one reason or another. But now there's an opportunity for you to not only be able to fund his college education but to help him open that business and to help him to go further in life so he doesn't have to be on the corner, you know, selling drugs or doing whatever because mama and daddy thought enough of me to have this pot of money sitting for me when I get out of high school or throughout high school and college. And it gives you a different leg up. You know, it's difficult to pull yourself up from bootstraps when you don't have boots. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you can't just say, go, go fend for yourself, go, you know, figure it out. No, we live by the adage, it takes a village. So we have to come together as a village and even within our immediate families and pull together. You have to do that. You can't keep having this mentality of, oh, as long as I'm good, you know, I'm straight or me and mine's good. No, it has to be a collective effort. Everybody has to put in. Everybody has to make sure that we can collectively come out of this cycle of of poverty. Do you um do you watch The Breakfast Club or listen to The Breakfast Club mm-hmm. at all? Yes. Um, do you remember the interview Dame Dash did on The Breakfast Club? Uh, it was like a year ago or so, maybe a year plus. Well, it was real controversial because um he got very heated. You know, Dame Dash has always been a very um, flamboyant character, you know, mm-hmm. with his personality. But nevertheless, um, he got into a real heated debate with, you know, Charlemagne the God and DJ Envy and all of them um, because he was saying he hustles for his last name, not his first name. You know, um, and he was basically pushing the whole entrepreneurship, you know, notion 
And he said he hustles for his last name, not the first name, because his last name is the only thing that lives on after him. You know, Dane Dash may die, but the Dash family won't die. And, you know, um, that really just, you know, reminded me of everything you just said now. We don't think about our last name enough. You know, not too many of us do at least. All of those other ethnicities you talked about, the vast majority of them, they do think about their last names. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, China is, you know, heavy investors in Africa. They're heavy investors here in America. You know, um, they think about their last names. We need to think about our last name more. Williams, Taylor, we need to think about that more Mm -hmm. and not just, you know, self and individuality. That's what just came to mind with everything you just said. It's it's something that is difficult, you know, in my position working in the African-American community because I have to remind myself that before I got, before I came into this profession, I didn't think much of life insurance either, you know, so I know that there are people that are just not aware. But the issue that I have is that once you become aware and you still decide to sit and not move and still become stagnant is when there becomes a problem. Um, We get insurance on our phones. We get insurance on our cars. We get insurance on our homes. All things that are tangible and can break and everything else. Um, But we don't have insurance on our lives. Um, And I was just recently... um, in Dallas with um, 33 of the top agents in my company and um, one of the facilitators said something that really stuck out to me he said you can't leave the closing of your home without your homeowner's insurance and you can't drive off the lot of the car uh, of the car lot in your car without having car insurance but some people dare to leave the hospital with their newborn baby without having life insurance that's deep and to me, that just spoke volumes because now you've just had this new life that is going to depend on you so heavily. I mean, when I think about, and I'm not trying to be morbid, but the amount of mothers that even die in childbirth mm-hmm. who don't have anything. Yeah. And it's like there's not a, a sense of urgency with, with life insurance. And unfortunately, it's calls people to, you know, now when there's a crisis, now the storm is hit, and now you want me to come and try to help you. Now you want someone to figure it out, but it's like you have to be proactive and not reactive to things. And I think that's just, you know, in life in general, not just with this. We have to make sure that we're properly planning for things even when, you know, it might be uncomfortable to do. Wow. So how do we get in contact with you? Mariah Williams, like if somebody has some questions for you or anything like that, how can they get in contact with you? Um, just give me a call. Um, I can be reached um, on my cell phone or at my office line, um, 773-306-5833, um, or at my office, 312-454-2275. Um, just give me a call, even if you have questions, just general questions about anything um, whether it's insurance related or you know retirement related, any, any financial questions um, that you have, I'm, I'm more than willing to, to help and, and give you advice on that. Okay, and what what's one last thing you would like to um, say to everyone listening out there, entrepreneur, just regular old person working a day to day job, just trying to get by and you know build a bigger legacy for himself, herself, and their family? What would you like to say to them? Um, I would say the biggest thing that you can do right now is to prepare. Um, Prepare and don't procrastinate. If you really look at where it is that you want to be in life, look at your goals and look at your desires, 
and really lay out the steps that it takes to get you to where you need to go and make sure that those goals are measurable and that you hold yourself accountable to them um, and, and don't give up on them and just keep going at them and know that there's a greater purpose for your life and once you figure that out and you have that blueprint it's always you know easier to, to get on track and to stay on track. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Prepare and go after it on Mariah Williams. So that concludes our Monday conversation this week. So until next week, ladies and gentlemen, let's continue to work. Let's continue to match reality, and let's make it happen. You have a great day.